from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Both of those places is where you can hear the MixLR feed for live streaming radio and for live streaming video right here on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT is where you're hanging out and watching the show. What's popping is what's going on. Our list of topics every single day proudly presented by Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. Clemson at Syracuse is the conversation as well as the season as a whole. We just had offensive line alum Michael Lasker Jr. on the show, and now in the second hour of the broadcast, we have a former kicker of Syracuse's team, and I believe is still the all-time leading scorer on Syracuse's team, passing, passing I think he passed to Gary Anderson uh, back in the day here, so that is Nathan Trouts. He's with us this morning on the broadcast. He'll be joining us in just a second, right after I tell you that we are inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. So, with that being said, he's here with us. And, and Nate, I'm pretty sure you still are the all-time leading scorer. Am I correct with that? Yeah, actually, um, I am still today. But I, I passed John Biscuit when I was there. Um, John was a kicker in the early 90s, a great kicker there uh, for many, many years. But um, so far, I don't know how much longer I'll have it, but... But you got it right now, and that's what's him. And you've you've held this for how many? I mean, what is it? It's got to be like two decades now, right? Yeah, it's been twenty years. I graduated in '99, so it's been a long time. So, but again, you know, if someone's not breaking that record, it means we're not scoring a ton of points. So, I'm all for somebody getting it. Um, you know, over the next couple of years here. And I want to ask you, Nate, as a former kicker on this team, just what your you know overall thoughts are on Andre Schmidt and and what he's done. I mean, obviously in in this game, you know, there were some opportunities for Syracuse. There were some things that Syracuse took. There's some things that they didn't. But when he's out there, I mean, we've seen a tremendous amount of success for this young man. What are you, what's your take on Andre Schmidt? No one had ever, and not that I agree with this by any stretch of the imagination, because. You were there, and you know there were so many great kickers in the history of Syracuse in general. You just brought up John Biscov and and all of that, but you know there's so many greats, greats, uh, special teams players, and and at the kicker position in Syracuse history. But we finally saw the Lou Groza Award go to one of them, to Andre Schmidt, as in his first season at Syracuse. What's your take on him, and, and what's your take on the fact that the Lou Groza Award finally came to Syracuse? Well, I couldn't be more proud of being a former kicker than finally somebody getting it. Obviously, he's a great kicker. Uh, you know, walked on, came in, earned a scholarship, and uh, did his thing. And I know it's a lot of work and a lot of hard work, not just from him, but the whole unit, uh, the snapper holder and kicker of the line. Um, it's, it's not just an individual award. I think you know, I've never had a conversation with him, but I'm sure he would agree with that. Um, you know, and they had, what, 34 attempts last year? 
which is great, which means Eric and the offense and Tommy were moving the ball and uh, getting a lot of opportunities. So, all right, again, I couldn't be more proud of Andre and, and everything that he did last year, and I hope he continues that success over the next couple of years and stays healthy and uh, continues to be a bright spot for the program. And he's obviously been, you know, huge for this program. Justin Lustig overseeing special teams has gotten a, a lot of respect as well. And, and a lot of, you know, not just the current players, but also recruits talking about Lustig and their appreciation for him. Just what that means to you, that we really don't hear about special teams nearly as much, obviously, as offense and defense. And it's just, it's never been that way. And, and I don't understand it because it's a highlight of so much in, in the you know, I mean, as far as what you do and, and what you have done in the history and what Andre's doing for Syracuse now is you create opportunities. You're 50 yards away and, you know, you don't get as close as you want to get. The offense isn't going to go for it on fourth and five. So you got to make that field goal. When you're punting the ball away and you're Sterling Hoffrichter, you got to put the team in a good position and you got to set them up. You got to have good hang time so that your players can get down there. You want a fair catch called and you want it to be inside of the five. So, I mean, there's there's so many things on special teams as well as your kick and punt returners to create opportunities to either score on the play or to put your offense on the opponent's 30-yard line as opposed to their own 40-yard line. So we know that special teams, you and I do, know the importance of it. Are you surprised that it's not talked about enough? Because it literally has an effect on the entire game and where your opponent starts and where you start. I mean, without special teams doing their job, the offense and the defense has a tougher task to do. And and, and conversely, if you do your job, then the jobs become a lot easier for those units. Just what you can say about special teams. Yeah, man, first and foremost, I want to say Sterling and Andre, I mean, it's as good as it gets with both of those guys. Um, you know, we arguably have the best special teams program in the country right now. Um, as far as from a kicker position. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of those guys uh, being an alumni of the school. With that said, you know, special teams is always kind of the redheaded stepchild, something you've got to have, you've got to do. Um, and it's super important to the game. And like you said, for field position purposes, get three points on the board and things like that. I don't know uh, why it's not talked about more. Um, you see it all the time in, in middle school and high school that coaches don't focus a lot on it. Uh, for different reasons. Maybe it's the specialist they have. Maybe it's, you know, they're focusing more on offense and defense. Um, you know, but it seems to be that the coaches that do uh, focus, you know, quite a bit on it have a lot of success in pinning the team down or returning kickoffs for touchdowns, blocking punts. Um, I know when we were there, we were one of the best special teams units in the country. We had Chris Ripon, Coach Ripon at the time. Um, there was a large emphasis on getting more skilled athletes in our special team side. And uh, we were known with us in Virginia Tech as one of the top punt blocking teams in the country. Quentin Spotwood, I think, returned eight punts back in one year that year. Um, you know, we always have Kevin Johnson returning touchdowns for kickoffs and things like that. So um, I know when I was there, Coach Ripon put a big emphasis on it along with Coach Bascaloni. And obviously, you know, the importance of that and the success of that that's come through and then seeing that success come through for the team this season. And speaking here with Nathan Trout, a Syracuse football alum and a former kicker on the team, as well as the all-time leading scorer for all positions combined on Syracuse, our all-time leading scorer. So, you know, Nate, for you, as you look at the team this season, 
We, we come out of this Clemson game. They lose 41-6. to I think they beat themselves more than Clemson beat them. Clemson had some... They, you know, they had some positive moments. Obviously, uh, one that sticks out to me is Trevor Lawrence getting hurried out of the pocket, runs to the right, and is able to throw, you know, kind of off his back foot and, and beams it down to T. Higgins, who obviously had the height and was able to pick it up and made a great play by the sideline, turning around while he was still moving and catching the ball. But you know, outside of moments like that. Travis Etienne didn't look fantastic. Lynn J. Dixon didn't look fantastic. Trevor Lawrence was picked off on back-to-back drives, but Syracuse did not capitalize. They didn't capitalize when they picked the ball off with Chris Frederick running it back to the Clemson nine. They didn't capitalize on the next play or the next drive where that where Trill Williams took it away, returned it 41 yards to the three-yard line, and four rushes couldn't get them three yards in to the end zone. So What's your take on this? Did did do you agree with me that Syracuse beat Syracuse more than Clemson did, or how do you see it? Well, I think you got to give credit to Clemson. Obviously, they're one of the top programs in the country right now. They're athletic, um, super athletic. Lawrence is throwing you know BBs all across the field. Uh, he's got a great arm. He's got a great composure in the pocket. Um, you know, regardless of the pressure that we put on him. Uh, with that said, we were right there in the game. I think it was 17-6. We get the ball inside the 10. Um, we have an unfortunate turnover at that point. It could have easily been 17-13 or at least 17-9 at that point. And then, of course, the next pick, we get inside the five and can't plug it in. But I think the thing the fans got to remember right now is it's not panic mode. Um, it's still September. And uh, I was always brought up to, to that nobody remembers September. They sometimes remember October, and they always remember November. Yeah. So what kind of team are we going to be in November is the biggest thing. All the goals that we have in front of us as a program is still right there. Uh, we're one and two. Um, people got to remember in 1996, we were one and two. Uh, had two terrible losses. Uh, that was when McNabb was there. My junior year, we go one and three. In both those years, we go to a BCS game. We went to the Fiesta Bowl, and then we turn around and come back to the Orange Bowl the following year. So all our goals are still right there. Uh, we got a long schedule ahead of us. And uh, we can't panic, you know, three weeks into the season in September right now. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, most of the time they forget, you know, they forget September. They might remember a little bit October, but they never forget November. Are you seeing anything in this team through these last couple weeks of, of, of some, you know, really tough goes at it with Syracuse losing to Clemson and then the week before just, you know, offensive and defensively? not being able to get anything done against Maryland in a 43-point loss. Are you taking any positives away? Is there anything sitting with you that you're kind of keying in on at this point? Well, I think there's a lot of things um, that I've recognized this year and last year over the last you know 15-plus years uh, is that our athletes are better right now. So whatever Coach Babers is doing in the weight room and, and recruiting – and things like that. We have more athletic kids, um, you know, around the uh, around the program right now. And uh, the more athletes we get, the better and better we're going to get. Um, if you look at Clemson, they have athletes at every single position. And I think if you notice, we weren't getting, uh, you know, they obviously had some better athletes than us in some areas, but realistically, we were had as good athletes in a lot of the areas on the field. And I think as Coach Babers gets more recruiting classes in, we're going to see more and more of that over the years. Um, and, you know, obviously I think Tommy's going to be a great quarterback for us as well. 
he's three starts into his career. He's a sophomore. We got a long time to go, and I think he's going to put together some great seasons for us. Yeah, you know, and the thing about Tommy DeVito, and I definitely want to discuss this, you know, with you. Speaking here with Nathan Trout, Syracuse football alum, former kicker on the team, and the all-time leading scorer for Syracuse football history. Nate, what you know, the the fans have gotten excited and hyped up about Tommy DeVito when he was in the Elite Eleven and considered one of the best high school quarterbacks in the nation before he came to Syracuse. People thought it was a steal. He's coming from New Jersey. He's a Northeast guy. This is great. He steps in. He has, you know, some blunders, you know, as a backup at Syracuse. He steps in other games and helps them win the game. Does a fantastic job. And, you know, comes, I'll never forget him coming out onto the field when Dungey came off and he drops back and throws a 60 plus yard pass on his first attempt. It's there's, there's no, you know, shake off the snow. This man is going out there, you know, guns blazing. So the fans are behind him. And now fans are throwing things in the stands. They're pissed off. They're upset. Get rid of them. I can't stand this. I can't believe it. Where's Dungey? What are your thoughts on all this? Because you know, this fan base allegedly, was very happy that the torch was getting passed to DeVito. And now every conversation, for the most part, that I've had following this game is, when are they getting rid of DeVito? Well, I think the big thing is you got to coach, or you got to trust Coach Gabers. He obviously has a history of having great quarterbacks in his program. And if you recall last year, Dan, I remember people wanting DeVito to start over Dungey last year. Yeah. In a lot of cases. And... And Coach Baber's like, no, Dungey's our starter. Got to be patient. Got to be patient. But on the side, the flip side of that, DeVito came in. He won the Florida State game for us, and he turns around and wins the UNC game for us as well um, last year. And he had some great games, you know, as a young quarterback. Um, I was a big fan of Dungey. I loved his charisma. I loved his uh, the way that he represented the university. But we also got to remember that Tommy's still a young quarterback. Every quarterback has gone through what he's gone through. If you look at Don um, McNabb when I was there, he struggled the first three games um, of his sophomore year, and he came in with a whole freshman year under his belt. It's all it's he's still got a lot to learn, and I'm sure the coaches are trying to learn him as well. And uh, um, we just got to stand behind the quarterback. He's a great talent. He's going to win a lot of games for us. And honestly, I couldn't be more proud to have him where he's at. Um, you know, I'm, my parents are from New Jersey. He's a New Jersey guy. And uh, I'm excited to see what he does for us over the next couple of years. The fans just got to, you know, lay off and support the program, continue to show up to the games, and uh, kind of see where it goes the rest of the year. And again, um, the biggest thing that Coach Babers has done over the la- last year and hopefully this year, we won in November. We can't say that the last 15 years. we got to win games in November when it's critical. Yeah, absolutely, and I 100% agree with you on that, you know, that, that this is a team that, you know, would sputter out as the season went on and, and just almost looked like the, the wind was out of the sails and they didn't believe in themselves and they just moved forward. You know, the team last year showed a different piece of this, Going into the season, I thought that, you know, Tommy DeVito was going to need time at quarterback. God forbid I ask anybody for time in the world that we live in today where everything needs to be instantaneous. But, you know, you ask everything that's good or worth living for or worth having takes time. And there's nothing that anybody can do in the world, even though it's instantaneous with a lot of stuff now. The stuff that actually matters, it takes time. 
And, you know, the God that I believe in, it takes time. So, you know, with Tommy going into this season, I I said he's going to need time. Because being a guy who's the backup quarterback who gets to start a few games or come in in relief and does well is drastically different than being the guy where there's no one in front of you and it's on you and you got to figure it out. And if you screw up, there's no Tommy DeVito coming in for you. You got to make this right. So I thought that that was going to take time. The offensive line not having consistency and not really knowing who's best at what position three weeks in still, there's no consistent, this is our center, this is our left tackle, this is our right tackle. And so that's an issue. And then the linebackers over the last two years, people forget this, Ryan Guthrie built himself up from from you know a forgotten man on special teams to a starter at, at linebacker for Syracuse. The year before, and Kylan Wintner played all over the place, safety, corner, linebacker. He built himself up to something. And before that, Jonathan Thomas, Zaire Franklin, and Paris Bennett started together pretty much every single game in their career at Syracuse. So the linebackers need time as well. What can you say to those points that I had made going into the season? Because three weeks in, I'm looking at the linebackers, the offensive line, and the quarterback saying, these are the issues I thought they would have. And these are the issues they're having. At the same time, it's constructively taking a look at this because I want all these gentlemen to do well, and I am never going to be for fans, you know, wanting to put heads on pitchforks. Yeah. Well, I've always uh, appreciated your perspective of things because, first and foremost, you're very passionate about school, and you're never, uh, well, at least from my, you know, from what I've heard in the past and the times that I've listened to you. You're never uh, you put put it in perspective for the fans, so I do appreciate that. And, Thank and you. Back to the players and the kids, you know, that are in the program. With that said, we are. I mean, obviously, we did struggle in the offensive line the other day, and, and, and I, unfortunately, um, I know enough just to be dangerous about you know every position on the field. Our linebackers, we had a great linebacker core over the last couple of years. They're they're most of those guys are new, and I'm sure the backups are new as well. And then you got an offensive line that's restructured as well. And then on top of that, you got a new quarterback in there. You throw all that in there, and we're going to struggle. And again, I think that um, Tommy isn't facing anything that any other great quarterback has never faced. If you look at Ryan Nassib or Eric Dungy or I'm sure Don McPherson back in the day. Don McNabb, I know Don McNabb went through it. People didn't want him to play anymore at times because he struggled at times when he was a young quarterback, which if you look back, it's crazy to think that people literally didn't want him to play from a fan base. And he's probably the greatest, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback to ever come out of school. So Tommy is not, and our team right now is not facing anything that any other team hasn't faced and any other great team hasn't faced. Uh, all the goals, again, are sitting right there in front of us. Uh, obviously, Coach Babers has done a great job. He's recruiting well. He's uh, putting together good game plans. And, and I don't have any doubt that we're going to be have a successful season this year. And that coming from Nathan Trouton. Nate, you know, again, thank you for those kind words. I, I greatly appreciate that. And, and as we, you know, move forward this season, a question that I asked to Michael Asker that was on in the first hour of today's show, what's, you know, for you, knowing that Dino wants to go fast and this is his thing and, and he wants to speed up the offense and he wants the up-tempo and, you know, just, you know, get it, make a move, do it, you know, just go do it again, incomplete pass, get to the line, let's go again, complete pass, get to the line, let's go again. So Tommy is a pocket passer. 
Tommy is a run on the ninth option, 10th option. That's, that's who Tommy is. It's not that he can't run. It's that I don't feel like he's necessarily, from what I've seen, comfortable doing it. I think he wants a line that can protect him, and I think he wants to back up, sit in the pocket for a few seconds, survey the field, and get the ball out. They have running backs in the backfield that are more traditional now. They're guys that don't have to be, you know, these these speedy kind of dart and weave type of guys. These are these are guys that, you know, want to ground and pound and, and run it through and show what they're capable of. So is it a clash of system and talent right now that Dino wants to go fast and this is what Dino does, but he's got a pocket passer and he's got traditional running backs back there? Is there a clash of, of, of system and talent right now? Well, I think there's several ways to look at it. I think if you look at Clemson, let's just use Clemson for instance. Brian Kelly, I would say, was a little bit more athletic than Lawrence. Lawrence comes in, he's got a cannon for an arm, and you know, he's a more traditional drop-back passer. Now they are running some running plays for him. He is athletic, but I don't think he's athletic as some of the kids they've had in the past, Deshaun Watson, and things like that. So they had to adjust to Lawrence as well. Coach Baber's going to have to adjust to DeVito, and uh, there's no doubt he's going to be able to do that. All great coaches have to adjust to different personnel. Um, but I hope. I think that people aren't giving DeVito the credit he deserves as far as being a better athlete than he's getting credit for. And uh, he is a good athlete. And I got to see him against Florida State. He made some great decisions. And he can throw the ball. He can throw the ball around. And he's got a cannon for an arm. And it seems to be the theme. We just need to be patient with him. Let him win some games. Um, let him get used to the system. And I know he's been there two years. But it's different when you get into the league and or you get into being a starter. And you have that consistent pressure on you day in and day out. Uh, whereas Eric took that pressure off of him last year when he got engaged. Well, this year, now it's all on him. So it is an adjustment um, from kids coming in and starting. And not just from quarterback position, but the O-line like you talked about, the linebackers. There is an adjustment there from the things they got to do and mature to be a starter in that program. Absolutely. You know, and, and for – like you said, you know, Donovan McNabb went through it, and now Tommy DeVito's going through it. Eric Dungy's gone through it. Is it laughable to you, having been on the team with Donovan McNabb, where fans didn't want him, and then see him get drafted by Philadelphia, and they didn't want him, they wanted Ricky Williams, and then to see fans didn't want Eric Dungy, and now when Tommy DeVito's struggling, everybody wants Eric to come back. Does it, I mean, is this just kind of, I mean, if you had Tommy DeVito in the room with the two of us right now, would you say to him, hey, brother, as much as it sucks and you don't like to hear it, you're kind of in good company because they didn't want Dungy and they didn't want McNabb. And, you know, there's times where they probably didn't want Marvin Graves and didn't want Don McPherson. So, you know, it's it, it's just kind of something that, that goes with the territory. You know, in the end, I mean, you want passion from your fans. You definitely do. And every program suffers with this when things aren't going right. Uh, but, yeah, I would tell Tommy, um, every great quarterback has gone through exactly what he's going through. And uh, there's no doubt. And I think if Don McDowell was on the show today, he would say the same thing. Um, but Don had a way of just doing what Don did. And I'm sure Tommy's the same exact way. Uh, never met the kid. I hope to meet him one day. But – um, there's no doubt that he's a great quarterback. He's going to be fine. Everybody needs to relax. Let him get into the system. Let Babers coach. And, uh, you know, again, let's not judge the team three weeks into the season. Let's judge the team at the end of November or Thanksgiving time if we're going to a bowl game 
and uh, you know we're in the top of the ACC and things like that. Well, and, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, is you know what this team is going to turn into and and what they could be. You know, to see the offensive line the way that things have gone. There are talented guys that have had time out there. Sam Heckle and Aaron Service and, and Evan Adams. Evan Adams, you know, I, I said probably the grandpa of the line because he's had so much time out there and been a consistent starter in the guard role, typically the right guard. Now he's the left guard. They haven't been given Tommy a ton of time. And a lot of people focus on quarterback and head coach. If things are going good, then they're great. If things are going bad, then they're awful and they shouldn't be out there. So, you know, the, the other piece of this, and I've tried to tell fans this because they want they want to talk about Tommy this and Tommy that, this offensive line on one of the plays at least gave him about .8 seconds to throw the ball. He was sacked eight times for a loss of 56 yards. So, you know, again, this show is not for attacking. This show is not for public displays of humiliation. This show is to talk about how do we get better and when the team is good, let's stay good. When the team is not so good, how do they get better? This offensive line is not providing a lot of time to Tommy. And so I think that they both kind of have to, you know, Tommy's got to take his his lumps and figure out what's going wrong. The O-line's got to do the same. But the offensive line that was 10-3 and three last year took about four to five years to build. What are you seeing from this line? We got Ryan Alexander, who's a transfer in. We have Carlos Vettorello, who has never played a collegiate down until this season. And then you got, you know, Evan Adams, who's a, been a guard and been consistent. And you got Aaron Service and Sam Heckel, who have played center and not played center, played on, you know, the outside of the line, inside of the line. So we still have questions on the offensive line. We still don't know consistently who our starters are at every position, and that's obviously affecting the chemistry of this offense. Yeah, and I certainly don't want to speak out of line for the off the line, but, uh, you know, obviously watching the game, we struggled a little bit up front. And, but, again, you know, and you know this, Dan, we just played literally probably the best defensive line in the country, possibly, or arguably the best defensive line in the country. And this is the same defensive line or, you know, one year removed defensive line from the Alabama and the national championship game struggling to, to, to uh, stop these guys. So we have a new off the line. Clemson has some of the best athletes in the country up front. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, again, a little bit premature to judge the off the line of where we're at today. We do got to get better there. And uh, I know there's guys going to be working um, to get better. And, and, and maybe maybe we come back to a uh, you know, more quicker pass team yeah. and things of that nature, get the ball out of the pocket a little sooner. And DeVito does got to make some better decisions, and I'm sure he would agree with that as well. Throw the ball away a little bit more to prevent some sacks. Uh, obviously, there's the Maryland pick um, in the end zone, and then you know last week that possibly he could have thrown the ball away. But who are we to judge? It's a tough, it's a tough atmosphere to be out there when you got 11 guys running at you. Um, it's easy to judge from the sidelines, but um, decision-making is going to get better and better, not only from the quarterback, but from the off-the-line as well over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, and it all takes time. And, and, and like I said, you know, not having consistency, it's got to frustrate the guys on the line as well. You know, am I playing, am I playing center? Am I playing left tackle? Am I playing right tackle? So, I mean, it's good for them to have experience. It's good for them to show versatility if they're trying to get into the NFL from here. But at the same time, when Aaron Service told me a couple weeks going into the season, you know, I'm not necessarily the center because we're all kind of getting moved and shifted and the coaches are still trying to figure it out. 
that happens, you know, and, and you don't want it. You want it to happen in the spring, not in the fall. But, you know, there's going to be some growing pains there. There's going to be some some issue there that's going to happen. But it's important, like you said, to know that, you know, it, it does take time. And I think when the hardest thing is, you know, speaking with any fan base, is that a lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, well, well they're playing Division One football and, you know, these are guys that you know, they're playing in the ACC and they got recruited and so they should be good from day zero and they should make minimal mistakes. And, I mean, I, I had somebody tell me that you can't say that time is an excuse because because you can't have time anymore. Everybody's good. You got to figure it out. And I just find that laughable because I'm a better broadcaster today, I'd like to think, than 17 years ago. I'd like to think doctors are better today than they were 17 years ago. I'd like to think that my mom would consider herself a better person than she was 17 years ago. Because if you're not growing over time, then, you know, that's not good. But I I really just struggle when a when a fan says that players don't deserve time, Tommy DeVito had time last year. He's a redshirt sophomore. He should know what he's doing at this point. I just I feel that that is very irrational, and I think it's kind of naive to the game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and I mean, I know it's tough from a fan perspective. We had a lot of high hopes coming into the season, but again, I think we need to wait and judge this team at the end of the year. Uh, you know, Coach Pasqualoni was always known to say nobody remembers September. You know, at the end of the year, we go 10-2. and two. We're not going to remember this game or the Maryland game. We're going to be going to a big-time bowl game. And, again, our goals are all there. Our goal, at least for me this year, was to get to a, a BCS game or, you know, a big-time bowl game. And I think we have all that sitting in front of us right now. Uh, we haven't gotten into the ACC yet other than Clemson. So we have – the rest of our schedule ahead of us to, to improve and get better and to be playing the best uh, football we can play in November. And, you know, and in, in, in closing here with Nathan Trout, Nate here with us from Syracuse Orange Football History, the all-time leading scorer on the team, former kicker on the team. If you had the guys in front of you right now, I know you talked about, you know, focus on what's ahead of you, can't focus on what's behind you. What would be your words of advice to a team that, had no hype for many years leading into last season, had no hype last season, snuck up on people last season, couldn't sneak up on anybody this season because of the success of last year, and it's kind of just been up and down, up and down. Sometimes you buy into the hype, sometimes you buy into the hate, sometimes you know you let yourself get taken away by other people's opinions, good or bad. What's your advice to the team as they step forward from here? Well, I think that you got to look at the history of the school when you go when you say that um, all the teams. I don't want to say all the teams, but we've had teams in the past with high expectations. You look back at Don's senior year; uh, we were in the national championship talk. We really were. We had a lot of first round draft picks. We were a great team, and we come out and lose against Tennessee in a close one. And that wasn't really the game that, that broke us. Later on in the year, we lost to NC State on a Thursday night. And then we go to West Virginia and lose that game. So, But in the end, we ended up going to the Orange Bowl. So I think there's a lot of pressure, and the pressure's good because the program hasn't been here. And it's good that people are having this conversation. Um, and I just think that people got to keep grinding. The kids got to keep grinding and keep going. And remember who you play for. You play for the university and, and for your teammates and your coaches and your families. And, and we just got to keep grinding week after week, taking one game at a time. Absolutely. And 
and see what they can build and see what they can have going forward. I, I do want to, in closing here, Nate, ask you about because you're you're down south, and so you know I, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Maybe you maybe you paid attention to it. Maybe you didn't see it, but I don't know Doug Marone in, in my coverage of him at Syracuse, and I cover the Jaguars as well, and I'm there for the home games. I'll be there Thursday night for Thursday night football against the Tennessee Titans here in Week Three. The team came all the way back. Gardner Minshew, as a backup quarterback and a rookie, mind you people, is doing a tremendous job. The man is, you know, not throwing many interceptions. He's throwing a touchdown or two a game. He was 22 of 25 when he came in in week one. I think he was 23 of 33 in the game that happened yesterday against Houston. He has looked better than numbers of starting quarterbacks in the NFL that are paid millions of dollars to have that job. So they come back, they're down six to three, then they're down, you know, by a touchdown plus, and they figure out a way to get back into this thing. They get a field goal, then they score a touchdown. There's 30 seconds left. It's 13 to 12. I've never known Doug Marone to put it all on the line and go for two. I've always known him to be conservative. He doesn't really have a big time personality or anything of that nature. He elects to go for two. The team loses by one. I'm asking you this question overall because a I don't I don't I'm not used to this with Doug Marone. But then secondly, there's Syracuse teams that have gone for it. The 1987 team that went undefeated went for two against West Virginia and won instead of taking the extra point. In this case, it doesn't work out. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, on the fact that you know uh, Doug kind of maybe a little bit out of character went for this, but just being in a position where your team fights all the way back to the end and could win by one or lose by one. And in this case, Jacksonville is now 0-2 because of it. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was coaching a soccer game yesterday, and it was a 0-0 game to the last water break, and we ended up losing one to nothing. But I was talking to the kids at last water break, how great would it be to come out with a win today with how hard we battled? And, uh, you know, in the end, we ended up losing. We gave up a goal with five minutes left or so, but... I was proud of how hard they battled. With that said, I think Maroon, I mean, it is out of character for him. I've watched him coach a lot of games now, and obviously I'm back in Florida now living, and I'm from Florida, and uh, you know, I get a chance to watch Jacksonville. It's my favorite, my nephew's favorite team by far. And um, I didn't get a chance to watch the game yesterday, but um, I'm sure Maroon, I mean, right now he's got to win. And, uh, you know, going into overtime and putting it in the, in the hands of possibly Texans um, yesterday, but he wanted to win. And I would imagine that right now in the NFL, that's what it, oh, I know it's what it's all about. Um, he has to win games, as you know. You're there all the time. And if he doesn't, then he's going to be looking for a job. And unfortunately, yeah. that's the pressure of being in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a it's a tough one. But you're coaching soccer. I want to give a shout out to your soccer team. So let everybody know, you know, who they are, what you're doing, because I, I think that's great. And I got to coach a team in Carbondale, Pennsylvania, a few years back, and and I still to this day love those kids and miss them. So I want to give a shout out to your team. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, so I'm coaching a lot of soccer down here right now. I actually had a chance to move back to Florida last summer. I'm from North Carolina and come back home and, and got to help out at the high school, uh, my old high school. And actually, I just took the head coaching job for the girls' soccer program there this past, uh, over the last couple months. And I'm also helping out the kickers at the high school, too. So it's been really good to get back to my community. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a black and gold Mustang all the way and, and a Syracuse Orange all the way. And 
uh, it's been a lot of fun to be around the girls and, and kind of try to help build the pro. Well, our program's been one of the top programs in the state. So actually, I have a lot of pressure on me to win. Uh, we just came off back-to-back state championships. So um, we'll see how it goes. You know, now <laughs> I'm going to be facing the same pressure as DeVito, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to win and you got to win right away. So, but, <laughs> but with all that being said, Nate, thank you as always. And I, I appreciate you taking some time with me this morning. Always appreciate you. I see you all the time listening and, and watching and, and it means the world to me. It's, you know, they, I will always be the kid that grew up in Syracuse that watched all you guys or got books about you or learned about you. And so, you know, to hear positive words from the people that I grew up, you know, watching, sit next to my dad and my mom, there's never going to be any words for that. So, you know, the what I can say is thank you. I appreciate it. The God I believe in is great. And uh, and I just, I really do. It's it's an honor for me to get to speak to you when I do. And, and, uh, and all your kind words never go unnoticed. I really do appreciate them. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for always having me on. And uh, hopefully we can make this at least a yearly event, you know? No, absolutely. I, I look forward to having you on here throughout the season here and and you know as we move forward and please make sure you update us on the team and give my best to the girls out there and to the kickers out there as well i appreciate it thank you so much dan all right man have a good day all right take care that coming once again from nathan trout that is nathan trout once again here on wake up call with dan tortora always appreciate having nate on the show and all his kind words are, are there. I mean, it is, it's, you know, I grew up watching these teams, you know, one of my favorite times of Syracuse football history was going back and watching and shout out to Shamarco Thomas and Shelton Prescott, who have been watching this morning. A ton of Syracuse players have been with us this morning and I can't, I really honestly can't thank you all enough. It means the world to me. So a shout out to each and every one of you for being so amazing and, Makes me feel like something I'm doing out there is is working, clicking in the right direction. So, you know, thank you, thank you for that, and uh, it's very meaningful. So it, it does mean a lot. And and to hear the words from Nate, I mean, I grew one of my favorite teams in the history of of growing up in Syracuse watching football was was with Nathan Trout and Don McNabb and Quentin Spotwood and Kevin Johnson. I mean, I loved watching those teams. And if I can go back here and and take a look at it, because I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to shout them out here because, you know, the these teams in the mid to late 90s were some of the some of my most favorite teams. And the last time Syracuse was ranked in the top 25 in the preseason before this season was 1998. So remember that, folks, and that's when Nathan Trout was playing for the team. So we go back and we look at it. Madee Williams, I was a fan of Madee. I was a fan of Donovan McNabb. Obviously, Kyle McIntosh is a friend of mine, drove up and did my show and didn't ask for a thing. Just showed up out of out of out of love. D Brown, love D Brown. I have D Brown's NFL cards. Rob Conrad, who has been on the show recently here uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, you know uh, Phil Nash. I remember Phil Nash, as well as Ian McIntosh, Kyle's brother. I'm just looking at all the all the players on here right now, and and kind of going back into history. Nick Sedano. Uh, who I got to meet for the Florida State game at home last season. He came back. So, yeah, I mean, great, great teams. And really, honestly, all the teams, all the teams that played in Syracuse football history and all the players that wore number 44 because we know about Rob Conrad and 
Ernie Davis and Floyd Little and Jim Brown, but you know, you, you got to know the entire history of 44 and all the guys that got to wear it because there's so many that wore it before Jim Brown. And we should probably do a show about that. Should probably do a legend, a, a 44 legendary show. I think we should do that. We will do that. I've decided live here on the show today. So see how easy that is. I just talk to myself while I'm talking to you and it all works out. So my grandmother always said, you can talk to yourself as long as nobody answers. And I think she said, and if they do say hello, (laughs) she's like, gee, mama, I love you.